This is the Anything But Quiet Time podcast where we are no longer playing spooky music. No, no, we're back to normal, if you will. We are not doing the seven deadly sins, but certainly we have had tremendous fun. Is that the right word? If you to can use? use the word fun, so you think sin is fun. I'm that's what say you're saying. That. Don't put okay. words in my mouth. <laughs> but we had fun with the last podcast, certainly in the live. Uh, broadcast of uh, t- in a coffee shop. We talked about pride. You can listen to it, but you can go watch it. It's our yes. first video version uh, of it, and you find it hopeondemand.com. And certainly some of the people towards the end of the podcast, they demonstrated what I hope that you know you can do. Like anytime, you can yep. email us, you yep. can comment with a question. Leave a review and, then, and, re- and just ask a question. If you want to say, hey, great podcast or mediocre podcast, and then and then ask a question. Why would you ever offer them that? Yeah, give us a, a full two and a half stars and then and then just ask a question. That's uh, whatever option you want. I just I don't want to in, insinuate you would leave five no, stars. I know, but it is funny that one time Carter did suggest that they leave zero stars and somebody literally wrote, I tried to do that. Yes. Yes. That was seriously. You can go back. That's on the Apple part. And somebody said, I meant to hit zero stars, but I accidentally hit five. But <laughs> it worked. It worked out for us. It worked out for us. So if you're new, uh, welcome. And that is a whole series we did in October yes. of the seven deadly sins. Uh, this is a podcast where we just go over what we're going through spiritually mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of some ragtag messages here today, because it's just um, a little bit of here and there stuff from yeah. what we've gone over, especially because we're getting back in the swing of things. I, I think one thing that I feel led to uh, share is that you, if you mess up, well, you are human and you are just like everybody on planet Earth. Yes. In fact, and I that's have, what Romans three tells us, right? Uh, Romans, All have sinned. Well, yep, yep, yep. And I have uh, been some of those those books towards the end of the New Testament, some of the shorter ones that I just don't get to enough. First John and First Peter and Jude and. And I'm like, you know, let me take another stab at those. I haven't read those in a long time. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, I, it's just very simple. This is First John 2. My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. Mm. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, mm. the only one who is, the, the one who is truly righteous he himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. So it had said earlier that uh, anybody who says that he is without sin is a liar. And so I have always been passionate about there's not enough people in you know, pastors and people that, that do Christian teachings and speakings and stuff uh, about how you live that life after how you accept that grace after already knowing Jesus, because being a believer in Jesus means literally you believe that he is who he said he is, that he is the only way and that he atones for our sins with the death on the cross and the resurrection and that he is God. And, and so we really do a good job of that. Like upfront, if you have lived a terrible life, if you've been away from God your whole life, if you've continued to reject God, if you've done this sin or this sin or all the sins, God wants you. Mm. And it's so true. I mean, it's, it is so true and that you come to Christ for the first time. But what about when you mess up after knowing Jesus? Mm-hmm. For me, I think for many, there's a lot of guilt there. Well, aren't I supposed to have it all together now? And maybe it's not just one thing, but it's an ongoing issue. Well, does he not love me anymore? 
did I blow my opportunity because that was just for people who were messed up before knowing him. Yeah. But I'm still messed up. Yeah. And I, I love the way that it, it says that again, because we don't talk about it enough, but that's what it says. If, if anyone does sin, now I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the father. So mm-hmm. the Bible is very clear. It's not just a, uh, you know, Hey Jesus. Uh, yeah, you got me. Okay, cool. Now I'm going to go live, live however I want. I mean, there's a, there's a genuine authentic faith that when you have that, you will follow Christ as best as you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're going to mess up and I'm going to mess up. Mm. And I, I, I just love that the message of the gospel is simple before uh, knowing Christ. And it's still simple after Yeah, that he died. What it says right there, he died for all of the world's sins. So your past sins, your present sins and your future sins. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I'd like to think maybe I won't do some of those future sins, but um, the, the goal is in the, that fancy word sanctification is to each day live more and more like him but we're still not going to be perfected until we are in his presence. I just love that you read that passage. I There's a couple things that stand out to me in it, and uh, I, I'm going to kind of start from the, the end of it and move my sure. way back. Yeah. So just the fact that Jesus is our advocate. So mm-hmm. if you picture the courtroom setting, that that's a very—that uh, has parameters, right? There are rules there. Yeah, yeah. There's a sense of—there is justice, because there is a courtroom and you need an advocate. So I, perhaps you've been in a situation where you've had to be in a courtroom and you didn't feel like justice prevailed. That's not God's courtroom. Like justice will prevail in his courtroom, period. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then that's kind of a scary thought because, oh, if I sin, then I deserve death. True. Yeah. We all do. Uh, but if Jesus is the advocate and he's wiped the slate clean and this is a just God who abides by the rules and the rules have been laid out. He's not going to go back on it. Right. And he's going to advocate for us and he's taking it away from us. And so I love that picture. This is a just God who knows that responsibility needs to be taken. But Jesus said, I took it. Mm-hmm. So you're covered. Um, so there's relief in that. There's peace that hopefully sets in with that thought. This is a God who abides by the his own rules. And then there's just the beautiful, if, you know, he's, he calls us children. So you imagine if you've if you've had a child, um, hopefully it's you've experienced perhaps if you're you know you've never had a child but you have been a child clearly at one point. Hopefully you've experienced the love from a kind adult, and there is nothing that they may be disappointed with some of the actions, some of the turns that you've chosen to make, but the unconditional love that hopefully a parent has shown to you or a loved loving adult has shown to you, or you have given to another. Um, clues you in as to how much more the love of a heavenly father, who, by the way, I don't feel like he could ever be disappointed because he already knows what we're capable of. Mm. He's definitely, certainly not surprised, like, right? Literally, <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, when he by going to the cross, not only is he forgiving all the sins that have taken place already, but the ones in the future. Mm-hmm. So he knew you were going to screw up, period. So, and he calls you children anyway. Yeah. You're his kids. And so I, I it's the grace gracious image both ways one with hugely strict rules but still there's grace there in the courtroom and then the just the thought of the parent and the child there's grace there too maybe you have the question well how do i know if i'm a christian Mm -hmm. and here's here's one i mean this is biblical but then i heard a pastor ask a really good question um this is number this is verse three (laughs) number three here Uh, (laughs) verse three in first john two and we can be sure that we know him 
if we obey his commandments. Mm -hmm. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar Mm -hmm. and is not living in truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. You see, the loving him is what saves you. The evidence is that you're following after him. And that is because it goes on to say that is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. So you have the salvation moment of you you love God because you realize Mm -hmm. he, Jesus saved, saved you from your sins. Uh, But then the evidence there references that James as well, that faith without works is dead. That can Mm -hmm. be a scary verse that it's that there's evidence in your life. And so this is the question the pastor asked. Mm -hmm. What would your life be like if you didn't have God in it? Mm. And only you can answer this. Uh, But if it wouldn't look any different than it does right now, well, that might give you something to think about. Yeah. But if you can imagine all of the things that you would do instead of what you do, and I'm not talking about just sleeping in on Sunday mornings. I'm talking about maybe you would have done some horrific things if you didn't have God in your life. Then you can probably, before your mind right now, see the change in life from before Christ, uh, or in this scenario, instead of Christ, but now what you're doing right now is living for Christ. And that's a question for each one of us personally, but that's the question to ask yourself, how would your life look differently if you didn't have God in your life. Mm. You know, we're talking about redemption and worth and do I deserve and, you know, where do acts come into this and all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, this morning I was thinking about, okay, well, what what am I going to bring on this podcast? Because I've been in the Gospels for a long time. Now I moved into the book of Acts. It's interesting because the last book, the Gospels that I read was Luke. Luke was a, a doctor, a physician who purposed himself to go and get accounts, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like firsthand accounts. He was kind of a compiler more than more than anything. And he wanted to make sure that he was giving you, I mean, just clear cut evidence. So this is what he says at the very beginning of the book. I made a careful study of everything and then decided to write and tell you exactly what took place. I have done this to let you know the truth about what you've heard. And so then he also writes the book of Acts, and it's about the first church. And after Jesus has resurrected and gone up into heaven, the apostles are then kind of appointed to, all right, now go and, and preach the good news, right? So that that's what that book covers. But uh, he went and did his homework. He did his research. And it's fascinating because there's this part where Jesus is being crucified. And it's a very famous uh, account because there are two thieves on the cross um, next to him. So there's one on either side of him. And they deservedly, I mean, I, even according to today's standards, you wonder what did these guys do to deserve to be put in to this horrible, right. excruciating pain? I mean, it may be like a slap on the wrist in today's world, in Western culture, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were going to pay f- the full enchilada, you know, and they were dying on the cross next to, to Jesus. And it's fascinating because in Mark and Matthew, two other gospels, they talk about both thieves also ridiculing Jesus along with all the other people in the crowd. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and saying, you know, you're so, if you're the son of God, you know, they get off the cross and all this stuff. They start taunting him with the people in the crowd. Not everybody was doing that. Some of Jesus's followers were there, including Mary was there. Mm-hmm. Some of this, these strong women. If you're a woman listening right now, there's so many strong women in the Bible. Uh, even the men, a lot of them had fled. Yep. You know? Yep. But here is Jesus being taunted. And in the the gospel accounts of Mark and Matthew, as I was saying, the thieves are joining in on it. All right, yeah, get us out of here too, you know? <laughs> but the gospel account of Luke, the thief on what this thief on, I don't know which side, but on Jesus is one of his sides. It's like he calls out the other guy who starts ridiculing him and says, what do you, do you not fear God? Mm-hmm. We we deserve to be here. We've done something wrong. His man hasn't done anything wrong. And then he, he, he looks at Jesus and says, well, you remember me in your kingdom. And that's, Jesus gives him the, I mean, yes, <laughs> redeems him on the spot and says, today, you're going to be with me in paradise. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I don't know. And this is me wondering, were Mark and Matthew wrong and Luke right? Or was just Luke right? And, or, you know, you go back and forth, which one was right? What if they both were? Mm-hmm. And what if it transpired sometime? Because we're talking hours on the cross. Yeah. And both of these thieves, actually, their legs had to be broken. Um, because it, it, the storm came and they were kind of concerned about it getting super late and it was about to be Sabbath and Passover was this week. And I was just like, we got to get out of here because we're going to be breaking our Jewish law if we don't leave soon. So will you break their legs? They won't be able to push up on the stands that they're on these crosses. That's how you would be able to breathe is every once in a while it, to their tremendous pain because their feet are nailed to the cross. They'd push up and they could take a breath and then they'd until they couldn't stand anymore and they'd have to let go. Well, if their legs are broken, they can't do that anymore. And then you can't breathe anymore and you asphyxiate. Mm -hmm. So that's how they would die quicker. Um, Jesus died well before that had to happen, right? He, not a bone was broken, according to prophecy. I guess where I'm going with this is what transpired between the hours that were on the cross, between the point of one thief ridiculing Jesus and then recognizing what was going on? What happened? Mm-hmm. All I know is that Jesus recognized the change in him and called it enough. Yeah. And I think that's really important. It's not to say, and we've even used the demonstration of like when you go to a campground and they say, all right, we're going to hike up the mountain, you could stay at base camp, still be in, be considered a camper, but you're never going to experience the view sure. that God wants you to have. So you can stay at base camp as a Christian. God wants wants to take you up on that mountaintop experience, right? So, But at the same time, I want you to know <laughs> if perhaps you have a loved one and you've been just burdened with, did they know the Lord? It was in the last moments of that man's life. Mm-hmm. And it just was a, it was a change of heart. And like that, Jesus said, today, you will be with me in paradise. It only takes a moment for somebody to recognize the error of their ways because God sees your heart and he knows when that is true. I mean, that's that's all it takes for him is when, he, when you recognize that he is your savior 
And would you reckon, would you, would you let me come with you? Yes. I've heard it said that faith and repentance are on two sides of the same coin, that when you place your faith in Jesus and that fancy word repent, and you're like, well, what exactly does that mean? I mean, you're just saying that your ways are not the way and that you're following, you're choosing to follow the way. And I love that this was in, uh, in Acts 16, this is verse 30, verses 30 and 31. The jailer, there's a whole story there, yeah. uh, but the jailer uh, brought Paul and Silas out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And this is what they replied with. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved mm-hmm. along with everyone in your household. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, that meaning when he shares it with his family and they all choose to follow, that would be, you know, we can't be saved for somebody else. Right. But um, And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. And that, even at that hour of the night, I'm going on here, but the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Uh, Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. So baptism coming after that. How must I be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Yeah. And so you're exactly right. It's that that moment of of saying, this is real. This is my... I'm going to cash in here because there's no backup plan. I'm not going to also follow another religion just in case. Mm -hmm. This is it. And the evidence for his coming to Jesus in that moment was spoken words only. But somebody Mm -hmm. was there, noted it, Mm -hmm. and got that information to Luke for him to write down where the other gospel accounts don't share it. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, I think it's really important for us to remember that everybody has— uh, Carter shared his pastor's um, sermon with me this past Sunday. It was really, really good. It talks about the we each have a narrative, something that a culture that we are used to, accustomed to. And when somebody kind of comes along and shakes it up by sharing their own and it doesn't necessarily match up with what has always been deemed right in your way, mm-hmm. your culture, uh, it can be triggering at times because you're like, wait a second, that's not how it's done. And I, I literally just read the incredible encounter that Peter has with Cornelius in the book of Acts. It's a couple chapters before the one that Carter just shared from. And it's this guy who is not a Jew. And he's loving God and he's praying to God. It does not share the context that he's doing that in. I don't know if he's actually going to a synagogue. It doesn't say that, mm-hmm. um, to my knowledge. But it says that he gives to the poor, he loves the Lord, he prays to God, and God sends an angel to this man, who probably the rest of the apostles, save maybe Paul at the time, uh, would have been like, no, 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 (laughs) we're not going to Gentiles' houses, it's unclean to go into a Gentile's house. Mm -hmm. But Peter's given this vision, and God tells him, it takes three times for him to tell him, boy, where have we heard that before? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? He denied him three times. <laughs> he had to ask him, do you love me three times? Here he is having to show him this sheet filled with unclean animals. Take, kill, eat, Peter. Three times he has to show it to him. Finally, Peter's like, I get it. And he has no problem going to this Gentile's house. Up until this point, for you to be filled with the Spirit, you have to be a Jewish person. But Cornelius, while Peter is talking to his family about Jesus— They are filled with the Spirit on the spot. Well, that doesn't line up with what it looked like before either. It says the Jews were amazed that the Holy Spirit, uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit was given to them. Yeah. 
So they were very surprised. So clearly— And there was backlash, too, from the church. When he comes back home, they're like, what were you doing at that guy's house? And then when he tells him about the gifting of the Holy Spirit, that's what convinces them. forgot about that part. He's like, oh, wait, the Holy Spirit came? And Peter's like, yeah, what do you want me to do, go against the Holy Spirit? Right. Right. Oh, this is good that the Gentiles are now. So to believers. me, it's it's clear that, you know, if somebody is, well, you you said it in a way. If uh, In fact, I heard it in a Toby Max song the other day, too. I thought of you. Um, I believe if you seek the truth, you don't need to look far because it's going to find you. That's mm-hmm. the Toby Mac line. Oh, that's good. And um, he was seeking the truth and it found him. Cornelius, that is. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you, you, you kind of take a second, you go, all right. So a lot of people nowadays mm-hmm. that are saying, well, you know, get to how, heaven however you want. All religions are the same and all. Yeah. No, 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 no. It took the message of Jesus. Mm-hmm. He that he needed that. Yeah. Peter needed to go and give him the details of how to be saved. But but his heart was on the right path. Yeah, he was. I think it does describe him as a good man, if I'm not mistaken. And yeah. and and so God sees that. So, yeah, I've always kind of looked at it, in the, at least since I've kind of gone over that story. The hard question, what about people in foreign countries that have never heard about Jesus? What do you do with those people, huh? They always try to, you know, get Christians on the spot to answer that. And I think if they're, there's, I've heard it said, there's general revelation, Mm -hmm. um, uh, natural or general revelation, and then there's specific revelation. And so we're not judged for the things that we don't know. Mm. But if you live in a foreign country, or in this case, Cornelius, just living a life of never hearing about Jesus specifically, um, you're going to be judged for the revelation that you do get. And we all, the Bible says this, we all should know that there's a God based on the beauty around us, based on creation. That that is for all people we all know or are faced with Mm -hmm. that there is a God. But, and, and that's what we're, that's the general revelation that everybody should have. But then the specific truth of Jesus, I believe we'll get to them. That's just me. But I think that atheism does exist. Uh, and that doesn't mean that those people aren't striving to do good things for their family. No, you can be moral and not a Christian. So you, yeah. you can have morals and ethics. They just don't ascribe to a, a what are they, an organized religion per se. Um, but I do still feel, and if I was talking with a a person who says I am an atheist, I would I would choose my words very carefully. Sure, but I think that that's a choice too, and that is a belief system as well. Mm-hmm. And so I think if there's a denial there, is there a wounding that took place? Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, that lent itself to well, there can't be a God, a good God, certainly if He allows dot 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 to happen. And so in those moments, don't let it trigger you when somebody tells you, well, there is no God. Wait. Mm-hmm. Because it, Jesus never got triggered. Do you notice that? Yeah, that's true. I think the only time that he ever, we, we saw this, you know, exertion of, of passion in the temple when he's overturning you know, the temple tables and everything. He's, he's just cried before coming into Jerusalem and he's wept over the fact that you will reject me. The high priest, the, the people who know the law, they are going to reject me. And a part of this is a key part of the rejection. You've allowed it to become something it's not ever meant to be. Mm. This is about worship. This is about, and if, if you truly are seeking, if you're truly seeking mm-hmm. to worship God, then there were those Pharisees that did come to Jesus. One at night, Nicodemus, yeah. uh, Joseph mm-hmm. of Arimathea wasn't emboldened to, I, I share this in the last podcast, it, he didn't come out as a follower of Christ until after his death. Yeah. Um, but... 
I, I think it's it's so important. I'm speaking to myself because I get real upset when I start to read people's t- Oh, well, you're stupid if you believe that there is a God. Well, I've heard Christians say the opposite too. Well, you're stupid if you don't believe in God. Well, why are we calling people stupid? <laughs> if we're all made in the image of God, we yeah. are all, if you follow Christ and you believe that we are made in his image, why am I calling the image of God stupid? Whether it this particular person says they believe or not, God said they were worth me dying for, and my job is to somehow, if I can, share light and love with that person so that they can know the truth to be set free. I, I look at a great dialogue, and I, I would ask uh, an atheist, um, I would tell an atheist, I believe you can totally be moral. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You can do good. Th- everybody can do good things, uh, but you have no standard. Yeah, what are you gauging moral by? Why, you know, <laughs> who, why? Why is this right or why is this wrong? You've not established a measurement system here. There's no reason for me to do good or bad, unless it's quote your truth, which wow, that's a tricky one. That's subjective, right? Yeah, exactly. And so, but what I want to do though, I will have that great dialogue. I will give them difficult questions right back and admit that they're difficult questions for sure. us. It's not that we have everything figured out as Christians. Mm-hmm. It's that the evidence supports that there is a God and he he came in the form of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so, you you know, if you're looking for 100 percent of the answers, I think we have well over 50 percent of them answered, you know, yeah. and we don't have 100, uh, but we maybe even not 85, 90 percent. And there are some difficult questions in that other percentage left over. But what I don't want to do is is get them to I don't want to get an atheist that I come across to flash back to the reason that they became an atheist mm-hmm. and that, right or wrong. Right. Because I. I believe it's a silly reason to believe there's no God just because somebody treated you badly. Right. I mean, I, I personally, that's just me, but because it, 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 either there's evidence for God or there's not just because a church was mean doesn't mean there's no God, but I don't want to have them to get flashbacks of me acting like the church that hurt them. Yeah. There's no, there's no point in that. Or even you go and you see all the comments on whatever video they post or, you know, maybe they commented on a news story and and people replied to them. There's so many people that many of them have a good heart, but it just comes off as argumentative and zero compassion. Mm. Instead of a good, a good compassionate dialogue, it comes off as zero compassion when you see other Christians just kind of kind of being what the atheists expected. So when you read from uh, cover to cover the book of Acts, you read about the account with Saul. Saul was a Pharisee, very smart, studied under the best of the best. And so he knew the law in and out. And he thought he was doing the right thing by God, by persecuting the Christians. And it's not until an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus and you may or may not know the rest of the story. Um, it's definitely worth a read. It's fantastic, this this incredible redemption story for a guy who was killing people one day and the next day is on fire for Jesus. Mm-hmm. But just like anybody who has one of those types of moments in their life, you're on fire, you're ready to go. Whoa! Like you've just discovered your favorite Okay, this is the worst comparison. Like you became a believer in Coke Zero. Like okay. it's like okay. Yeah, we'll follow you. Okay. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like everybody's like, ugh. Diet Coke's terrible. I don't like that aftertaste or whatever. Well, have you tried Coke Zero? You got to try it first. That's their ad campaign right now. (laughs) So let's pretend that, all right, now I'm a believer. I got Coke Zero. You got to try this. This is really good. Now you're trying to get everybody to try it. Uh uh And if anybody comes along and says, but have you tried Pepsi Zero or whatever? And they're like, (gasps) no. No. 
That's ridiculous. You and think it, this is better. Than- and if it tastes anything like Diet Pepsi, it's the worst drink <laughs> in on planet Earth. I'm sorry. Hold on. <laughs> Diet Pepsi is the worst okay. drink on planet Earth. Go ahead. We've got completely off track. <laughs> uh, this is probably a terrible comparison. But once you've tried something for yourself and you recognize it's true, mm-hmm. that's what happened with Saul. This is real. And so he's on fire for it. He's all about it. And then after I see that, you know, he's he's now speaking in the synagogues, he's talking to people. And he even gets some death threats along the way. One of the next chapters talks about Saul arguing with the Gentiles. We don't know what he's arguing about, but you know how it is when somebody, ooh, they found that new diet plan or, ooh, they found that new whatever, and they want to get you on the bandwagon. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes we get so forceful because we really, really adamantly know that this is the right way. We actually turn people off, turn people away because they're, oh, man. Okay, I'm glad it's working for you. Leave me alone. And because I didn't come in the right spirit of it. like Yeah, I'm that's the that's the key, right? Arguing and I'm like, you know, and he was triggered by something the Gentiles were saying. It's fascinating, though, Carter, because a little later on, as you're reading through Paul's journeying, you start to realize it wasn't until this morning. I'm reading Saul, 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 Saul. Wait a second. Didn't he become Paul after he became a follower of Jesus? still calls him Saul for quite a while in the Mm. book of Acts. Oh, interesting. Until later, it says, who the Gentiles recognized later. I mean, his Gentile name was Paul. Mm -hmm. So Saul was the Jewish name that he used in Jewish circles, but Paul was the name that he used in Gentile circles. Now, maybe this is completely circumstantial, but it's fascinating to me that they didn't acknowledge the name Paul when he was arguing with the Gentiles. Oh, yeah. That would have been... His Gentile name, why wouldn't they have acknowledged the name Paul when he was talking with Gentiles? That Why would they call him Saul? And I think it, there's something there for me anyway. I'm going to take this out of it. I need to come in not as the person who has my sword and I'm ready to go to battle. I'm going to take you on. I want to sit at the table with you. Mm-hmm. I want to come to you as a human being to human being. And that's like all of a sudden Paul took on the Gentile name so he could sit and talk with Gentiles and no longer argue with them. Mm. Now, maybe that again, that could have just been the way it was written. But it just something transpired clearly in Paul's journey for him to know what it looks like to really be able to unpack what the word love is in first Corinthians 13. Well, and like you said, that's your interpretation of it. Sure. But it led to, uh, that's a biblical thought, right? I mean, to become whoever, and it's Paul that says that, right? I'm not coming in on my high horse. I'm going to become, I'm going to, you know, I can't remember exactly all the phraseology he uses, but uh, if I'm with these people, I'll act like them. If I'm with Mm -hmm. those people, I'll act like them. Not not in a moral compromising way, uh, but to embrace cultures. Exactly. To embrace habits, to embrace, oh, you listen to this style of music? Oh, you eat this kind of food? Oh, you, you know, I will live with your culture so that I can talk to you about the most important thing. That's the most important thing. And it trumps everything else. And if we, if I remember that, I don't get my feathers, you know, flustered. That's not a saying. That's not a phrase. What is it? Feathers flood? What is, what is it? Frustrated feathers? I'm going to let the feathers go. Yeah. If I get ruffled up, maybe it was feathers ruffled. My feathers ruffled. <laughs> I get my, but that's the new phrase. If I get my, my feathers frustrated. Because your 
thing doesn't align with the tradition that I know. And so, you know, here I am. I've married into a different culture. My, my background is Caucasian. My husband is Mexican. And if I decided, no, your way is completely wrong when you get together with family and you do this, because my way is right. No, we've had to come to, hey, let, let's marry these worlds together so that we can have communion in regards to mm-hmm. let's how we're going to do this with our children. Well, I mean, on a different scale, I mean, this is how we come into another person's home. It's not telling them everything they're doing wrong. It's like, hey, can I share with you about Jesus? Not let me point my finger down at you and tell you all the things, condemn you basically, yeah. you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. No, that's that's really good. And keep in mind, when we embrace and combine cultures, it leads to things like Tex-Mex. That's true. I mean, you have Mexican food. Oh man! You have Caucasian food, and it has blended. Look at that beauty into this beauty. And both are both other ones are still beautiful. My feathers are not ruffled. Uh, my my feathers it... are not flustered. <laughs> feathers flustered. That's what I'm going to say from now on. All right, I thank you for hanging with us. This is the Anything But Quiet Time podcast, and more at HopeOnDemand.com. Maybe catch up on that Seven Deadly Sins series. HopeOnDemand.com. <laughs> <laughs>